0: A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin.
1: And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country.
0: Which was your suggestion. Do you want to say why?
1: Oh, sure. We've been trying to think about how to fill the time between the first part of Season 1 and the second part of Season 1, and what other Star Trek things we could watch, and there was a lot to choose from. And it occurred to me that Star Trek 6, in addition to being just an all-around great film, has a lot about Klingon politics. Uh, it's probably one of the best glimpses into Klingon politics that's concentrated all in one place. In other series, you get snippets here and there in different episodes, but this is really just highly focused on what's going on with their with their empire. And I thought it would be interesting for Kate to see it, and
0: I was going to say bonus—you got to make me watch an original series thing, which I've never done before.
1: Yeah, and and this is one of like the few original series things that I recommend. I love the original series movies, but the original series TV episodes, not so much.
0: And I was surprised to see that this was done in
1: 1991.
0: Yeah i Crazy. I remember
1: this coming out in theaters.
0: I most certainly do not.
1: I didn't go see it, Mm -hmm. but I knew people who saw it. And I think we saw it shortly afterwards, like maybe on a DVD release or, well, back then it could have been a VHS release too. I
0: can't remember. Yeah, like Next Generation was already on the air. Yeah. That's weird to me. Oh, really? I I don't know why. It's just, that just seems really weird. Hmm. To the implication, I suppose, that... Like, because they're on the same ship, aren't they? Or is it a completely different Enterprise? Hmm.
1: I know that they go through some different Enterprises. Okay. Um. Well, they definitely cycle through the Enterprises in the next-gen movies. Right. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure this is... Not the original, not the same ship from the TV series. They may have done a new Enterprise in the movies. I'm really bad guess, at remembering the ships and when they.
0: Right. I guess it just seems strange to me that because they overlap, technically speaking, there's two Enterprises out there with two different captains at the same time. And I don't know.
1: In our reality, anyways, not in their reality.
0: I guess. I don't, I, sure.
1: Cause this still takes place like two hundred years before the next generation.
0: Really? Two hundred?
1: I think that's roughly the number, yeah. It might not oh. be that long, I don't know.
0: Interesting. I'm- okay, well we should look into that further. But some other time. I didn't I didn't think that they were that far apart. Weird. Alright, sorry? That's okay. They might not be quite that far apart
1: because they do, like, have Spock on the next gen. And I know Vulcans are Mm -hmm. long-lived, but I don't know that they're that long-lived. And Sarek is still alive and things like that. Right. Well,
0: that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So,
0: announcements.
1: Yeah. Just to fill you guys in on what other things we'll be doing between now and when the next Discovery episode airs in January... Next week, we're going to go back and we're going to re-record an episode on The Butcher's Knife, Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. That was the episode where we had some audio quality problems. And so we thought we would re-record on that. And
0: then... I was going to say that'll be fun because it will have a completely different perspective on it.
1: Yeah, and I'll try and remember... Like, I know I really liked that one. When I first Mm -hmm. watched it, it was the first episode where I kind of was more fully invested in the show. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting going back to see how I react to it again. Yeah. Yep. And then after that, there's three weeks in December where we're going to take uh, a week to look at each of the Kelvin timeline uh, Star Trek movies. So Star Trek, Star Trek... Into Darkness, and Star Trek Beyond. And we even have a guest uh, tentatively lined up to join us for some discussion on one of those. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then we are taking a week off for Christmas. Yay, Christmas. And then right after New Year's, we're going to do a recap episode. Sort of recapping the episodes that we have and maybe doing some fun ranking of things and... Just getting us ready and excited to jump into the second half of the season.
0: And also a good reminder for both of us, because I will have forgotten everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, it'll be a, hopefully we'll get a chance to do like a, a binge watch through over that Christmas and New Year's weekish time and remind ourselves of everything that's going on. That'll
0: be fun. Mm-hmm. All right, so shall we jump right into it? Or did, oh, did we want to do first impressions? Um, if you, yeah, we could do first impressions, especially yours. I guess for you, yeah, I guess for you, it's not a first impression.
1: I have watched this film many, 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 many times.
0: Interesting. Because, like, I liked it. It was okay, but I don't really feel the desire to ever watch it again. Really? (sighs) Yeah.
1: (sighs) Okay. It's, it's like one of our, our staples. Like...
0: Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I will say one thing. I feel like... Well, we can probably get into this, but I feel like the space special effects Mm -hmm. were not... Like, I feel like there was better space special effects out there at this time. Like, this was 1991.
1: Probably. uh, One of the things that happened... Okay, so part of it has to do with the production history. And how mm-hmm. the Star Trek movies um, were handled, like how they, how much they made at the box office and things like that. So the first Star Trek movie, the motion picture, had a huge budget. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'm pretty sure, not commercially very successful. Right. So then for Star Trek Two, they had this like ultra slimmed down budget and produced an excellent story and like huge success. I can't remember how well Star Trek three and four did, um, but b- then basically Star Trek five was a big departure from what they had done in two, three, and four, and mm-hmm. was not very again successful at the box office. So then again for Star Trek six, they had a really slim down budget for it, and I was reading okay. on an article even this morning that even some of the sets they borrowed from the Next Generation nice and revamped them to to be different and like Kirk's bedroom on the ship and Spock's bedroom on the ship is the same set they just redressed it nice so i mean smart yeah yeah and but there for sure were better special effects out there but they weren't going to they didn't have the budget to take advantage of it
0: i guess i I guess my thing is, like, there are better special effects out there that happened 20 years before.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: Like, like Star Wars looked better. The original.
1: And, and I will say that, I guess to say that I've watched this movie a lot is probably not 100% accurate. I have listened to this movie a lot. Um, okay. Just, my husband likes to sleep like to go to sleep with something on mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. watch a movie going to bed. Yeah. And so this has been one of the, those movies that gets put on frequently and then the screen ends up turning off or you end up falling asleep or, you know, so your eyes are closed and you're listening to the movie and you know what's going on. So the special effects quality hasn't bugged me as much because I haven't actually looked at it as much
0: gotcha you may also just be like used to it
1: yeah and there's a lot of like special effects things that I will like that's not why I come to Star Trek
0: right no I gotcha it's
1: nice when it's there but Mm -hmm. if they have a good story behind it and good characters then I can get past a lot of uh, questionable special effects
0: that's fair that's fair. I did I did like the story. Yeah. Although, I thought it was kind of out of the blue. Like, um, how to explain? Hmm. Like, it just sort of seemed to I'm, come out of nowhere, this whole, oh, well, the Klingons are going to be kaput in 50 years, so, like, there wasn't really any lead up to that or any, I don't know, that just felt weird to me.
1: Okay. They had a a giant unexpected explosion.
0: Yeah, I guess I just felt like there could have been more there. Mm. I don't know.
1: Maybe it seemed a little fragile that this one thing would plunge an empire into chaos? Yeah, and I guess,
0: what am I trying to say? Because it came so out of the blue and everybody was so distrusting of each other, I felt like there was going to be more to it than that. If that makes sense.
1: Mm, more to it in what way?
0: Like like that the explosion was going to have been all a ruse or something to that effect.
1: Oh, okay. Like there was more going on than just the explosion. Yeah. I understand.
0: Because it, it does seem strange that that alone would bring down the entire Klingon Empire. Hmm.
1: Well, I don't think it was the explosion itself, but the explosion crippled them. And
0: like economically? Yeah. yeah. And then
1: they had to stand down their war effort. And
0: Yeah. Again, that the Klingons that we know in Discovery, I don't think, would stand down their war effort.
1: True. Though the Klingons we know in Discovery aren't nearly as cohesive. Like there's no Chancellor per se and I don't get the sense that there's any, like, court system such as it is that we see in this movie.
0: Right, yeah. Which was very American.
1: It was very American?
0: Yeah. Their whole trial thing, it just felt like watching Law and Order.
1: (laughs) I, well, I see a lot more parallels between the Klingons and, like, Soviet ties, which is, what you're supposed to see.
0: okay? Because,
1: well, you're a little bit younger than I am. So I vaguely Mm -hmm. remember the end of the Cold War. I do not. And I've also studied a little bit of Soviet history in particular. But yeah, this was supposed to be like, you know, the Klingons are the Soviets. um, And then uh, Starfleet and the Federation is the Western world. And they're negotiating an end to this so it, I could see where you wouldn't see it unless you had some familiarity with the, with the background of the Cold War and the Soviets and. Right. Uh, just cause like, even like having a sham of a trial like that, because like, there was no question what was going to be the outcome. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. a fair trial. There was no Federation representative there for him. There was, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion what was going to happen. Which is very much how, yeah. like, a lot of Soviet trials would be. And then even, like, uh, like comparing the uh, Rurapente to a uh, Soviet um, uh, prison camp in Siberia.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even thinking of things that way, but now that you bring them up, yes. So, my first note that I made here was, why is everyone in red?
1: All the Klingons? Or everyone? Well, in everybody. Oh, the the Star Trek Starfleet uniforms. Yeah. Okay. So this was a uniform. The uniforms were redesigned twice in the original series movies. The motion picture had one uh, Star like uniform design, mm-hmm. um, and then they redesigned it again for the Wrath of Khan right. into what you see here: these red uniforms. Okay. And they are extremely popular as far as uniforms go.
0: Yeah, I, I liked them. I just didn't know what was, what was going on there.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they couldn't recreate the uniforms from the original series. Mm-hmm. So when they went to do the movies, they had to redesign them.
0: Why couldn't they recreate them?
1: Um, issues getting the right kind of material and fabric and color.
0: Oh, so like the
1: the material that they originally used like was no longer made. So they oh. had samples <laughs> of it, and things like that. But to to they tried to do some color testing, and it just wasn't going to be feasible. So then it was like, okay, well, let's redesign it. And Interesting. Yeah. So the the ones that they're wearing here, they're referred to as the Wrath of Khan uniforms, usually, because they started in Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. And they were designed mm-hmm. with a much more militaristic feel, which I always prefer, just because, right. like, the entire hierarchy of Starfleet is a military structure. Yeah. Like, there's there's ranks, there's captains, and I always think when they're wearing things that are, like, non-practical, I don't know, I want their uniform to reflect a certain practicality and a certain ruggedness and i mean even in the beginning of this one uhura is wearing like a skirt with her uniform which is fine because i mean she references that she has like a teaching position right like she's Mm -hmm. supposed to be giving lectures and that's fine but i always found it highly impractical that you would have anybody stationed like on a starship that's exploring wearing skirts Mm -hmm. yeah that does just I If if you're on a, a vessel that's exploring an active duty, like off duty, that's fine. But when you're actually like supposed to be doing things and performing functions in a professional manner on a ship that might involve you climbing ladders or crawling under things or even just there could be combat that breaks out. Like I just want there to be a certain practicality of what the people are wearing to reflect the reality of their situation. Yeah. So, yeah, I like these ones. Trousers with, you know, sturdy looking jackets.
0: My next couple things are all just about Klingons want peace, so let's kill them. Which seemed to be the general <laughs> mood in their meeting there. Which seemed very anti-Starfleet. They really are. And
1: when I first would watch the movie, I kind of didn't understand this as much. Like...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I knew that Kirk sort of had his own history with the Klingons and reasons to distrust them. But a lot of the other Starfleet people there, I didn't really get why there was such conflict among them about the peace process. Because I always thought, like, that was the goal of Starfleet. Yeah. But I have to say, watching Discovery puts it in a different light. Mm -hmm. Because everyone there would remember the conflict and the things that are happening right now in discovery.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, and the war and Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: So that, that gives a little more scope for me to be like, okay, well, I guess if, you know, you in your lifetime, the Klingons have basically provoked a war with you and, you know, been very deceptive and like, captured the admiral that was sent for, you know, potential like, sent as a peaceful envoy and that those people betrayed her and captured her as a prisoner of war and mm-hmm. torture and all this other stuff, I could see where it would be hard to suddenly be like, oh, and now they're in economic distress. Okay. Yeah. We'll, you know, we'll just back off that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Oh, and then my next sort of note here was that the mystery wasn't very mysterious as I was like oh look it's Kim Catrol. she's definitely to blame oh really oh yeah just even the way when they were all gonna go sit down to dinner and she was like we've got that ale you should drink that really I don't know okay oh yeah I was right away like oh it's her also to be fair they only had the one new character
1: well true true I guess when I watched it, I was the first time because I can remember being legitimately surprised and like all, um, you know, shocked and sad that this kick-ass Vulcan woman was actually betraying them. I like, oh yeah, that's
0: that sucks that she was a jerk, mm-hmm. but I knew it.
1: I didn't see it coming when I I do remember that about when I first watched it. I I can remember being like legitimately surprised, but mind you, I would have been like you know, in my early teens. Yeah. So, yeah. A a little less experience with stories and tropes. And
0: And that they didn't introduce any other new characters that they could blame it on?
1: Yes, that kind of thing would have escaped me as well.
0: Oh, and when the Klingons came aboard? Okay, so this this movie had a lot of issues. Somebody says, they all look alike. And (laughs) that was just so terrible. Oh, my God. And I get that they were trying to make some allegory there, but holy shit, <laughs> it was bad.
1: Yeah, the Starfleet, or the the original series Bridge Crew, had some pretty bad things to say, like even about their table manners. And mm-hmm, yep. like I have to say, watching it now, I have a much, much deeper appreciation for for this whole aspect of it. And it seems more realistic to me. And I think that's partly because in my professional life, I interact with a lot of customers. Mm -hmm. And so, especially in that older generation that is not used to things being as progressive, they say crap like this all the time. Oh, God. They really, really do. Almost, like, there's not a week that goes by that I don't have a customer saying to me, I'm not racist, but... And I'm like, oh, my God, but you are so racist, what you just said.
0: This never happened to me when I worked with customers. I've I've even
1: yelled at a client and and uttered some names at her back because she was extremely offensive. And, like... The hard part is, is that it's often, like, they slip it in, like, at the end of what we're doing. Like, they'll comment, oh, wow, that was so easy and quick. I guess it helps that you actually speak the language.
0: Oh, God.
1: So, yes, I I see it constantly. It is most egregious in that generation that Kirk is representing there, that, like, close to retirement set, or, like... Older. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I could totally buy them all saying crap like that because yeah, I see it all the time.
0: Yeah. So that sucks. Yes. Uh so then Kim Catrol goes to everybody's bedroom because of course. <laughs>
1: I just had drunk a big like, mouthful of water when you said that. <laughs> <Sorry>. That's awesome. <laughs> but when you put it like that, she of course goes to visit everyone's bedroom.
0: <laughs> uh, it was fair. Both visitations were very strange and awkward, especially since they don't seem to change into like non-uniform. They just rip open that one corner <laughs> and then they're ready for bed. <laughs> What the heck was that?
1: <laughs> that that is a very good point that they uh I think that they are supposed to have like he should have changed. <laughs> he just didn't. He chose to sleep in his uniform. This
0: happened This happened multiple times. That somebody was lying in bed fully in uniform. They just ripped open that one corner. That's how they got comfortable.
1: <laughs> that that removing it like that ripping open that corner so that it hangs down that is like mm-hmm. considered like an off duty thing and then when they go back onto like the bridge they, like yeah they do put it up i think they are supposed to have like other clothes they can wear but for the for the right. purposes of the movie i guess it would have been too hard to do multiple
0: costume changes I guess.
1: Putting it from that perspective just points out the ridiculousness of it a little bit.
0: It was very ridiculous. And then, so everything goes bad, and the Klingons are attacked, and it looks like the Enterprise did it, even Mm -hmm. though Scotty kept saying, we haven't fired our torpedoes. Mm -hmm. Nothing. And then, Kirk and the Doc try to save the Klingons... And then there's a mystery to be solved. Yes.
1: There's a mystery.
0: I, okay, is this the first time that Spock has ever hinted at the fact that Arthur Conan Doyle is an ancestor of his? Because I thought that was really ridiculous.
1: Okay, when does he do that?
0: He says that an ancestor of his once said that, um, you know, you know, that famous Sherlock line. About, uh, you know, whatever's impossible, leaving behind however improbable must be the truth.
1: Are you sure you're saying an ancestor of mine and not, like, a, a, a famous Earth person kind of ancestor?
0: Okay, well, I don't remember the exact line. My, the note that I wrote down is, an ancestor of his? Really? I,
1: I remember the line being said. But I never, ever took it as him saying an ancestor of his. But.
0: Okay, hold on. I'm trying to find the quote here. An ancestor of mine maintained that when you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth.
1: Oh, okay. So maybe Spock's human side goes back to... Was it Spock who said that?
0: And and they... It was Spock who said that, and they even have Spock in the Kelvin movies say basically the same thing. I only know because this whole page is, this random page that I've found is showing every instance of this.
1: Okay, so they do a little bit of historical tourism there.
0: Yeah, Although the person who wrote this article that I found is trying to prove that Sherlock Holmes is his ancestor, which I don't think is what they were going for, but whatever.
1: No. no. (laughs) I think Star Trek is aware enough to know who the fictional person is and who the author is.
0: But yes. Alright, so then as we mentioned before, Kirk and the doc Mm -hmm. go to trial. Mm -hmm. Okay, funny aside... So earlier in the day, um I oh, I've been rewatching the Lord of the Rings movies this week. And so I'd rewatched the Two Towers earlier yesterday before watching yep. this. And um uh, I of course don't remember the actor's name, but whoever plays McCoy in the Kelvin movies is in oh, the yeah. Two Towers. So when I was like, Oh, McCoy, and I was expecting the same actor, <laughs> which is obviously incorrect, <laughs> but when the movie so when when I put this on, I was like, right, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Completely yes. different person. Yeah. Okay. So yes. that was a funny aside. And I,
1: I know the actor you mean, and I really like so him in the Kelp.
0: I do, too. He was just in Thor. He was in Red. He, I've seen him in real life. I can't lie for me think of his name. Anyways.
1: Oh, that's okay. Sorry. Um, now, one of the little Easter eggs at the trial... Is that Michael Mm -hmm. Dorn is there.
0: I don't know what that name means.
1: Oh, Michael Dorn. Okay. Um, Michael Dorn plays Worf.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. Because the voice sounded familiar.
1: Yeah. So he plays like the defense attorney, I believe.
0: Is he supposed to be Worf? Um, I don't know how long Klingons live.
1: No, he's not supposed to be Worf. Okay. But I think it's left... He plays they, on Memory Alpha, they referred to him as Colonel Warf, Warf's namesake. Okay. Now, whether that means that that's like an ancestor of Warf's, or just like his parents named him after this famous defense attorney Warf, mm-hmm. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, Michael Dorn is in there, and we can talk about some of the other cameos and stuff. Later on. Because there's lots of big names in this movie.
0: Yeah, Christopher Plummer. Random.
1: Yeah. And apparently Christopher Plummer and William Shatner had, like, done theater together. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is part of why their performance and their uh, lines back and forth were so good.
0: They always seem to be having a Shakespeare off.
1: Yes. Which they have done Shakespeare. (laughs) Yeah, the stage. So, yeah,
0: I kind of thought it was ridiculous that a Klingon would know so much Shakespeare, because especially since he didn't seem to like humans that much. But whatever.
1: But Shakespeare was originally done in Klingon, according to them. Did you really? catch that line?
0: I thought they said it. W- it was better in Klingon, not originally.
1: Um, I think it's you haven't heard it until you've heard it in its original Klingon. Oh. Pretty sure. Yeah, until you've read him in the original Klingon. Oh, okay. It's one of those quirky quirky lines they put in the, into
0: it. Gotcha. So then, what are they doing? They're still trying to solve the mystery on the ship. Points to some dudes who are dead. Surprise, surprise. Kirk and McCoy are in prison. Mm-hmm. They meet up with a hot lady because, of course, they do.
1: Because it's Kirk.
0: Yeah. At least he he's d- also a shapeshifter. Yeah. I was
1: going to say, at least he doesn't wind up with his shirt mysteriously ripped from his torso.
0: Did that happen a lot
1: with him? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. There's even an episode where I think it's the one where they discover this virus that uh, gets airborne and it makes people act as though they're drunk. And they figure out the um, correct medicine for it. And then the doctors are going around with the hypo spray and like inoculating everyone. And like in the background, you can see the doctor like going for like people's necks and things like that. And then they come up behind Kirk, who's sitting in his captain's chair, and just like rip his uniform down and do it in his shoulder. And I'm like, you, you could, his neck was right there. And that was fine for the person in the background. But no, no, it was Kirk. And he was still wearing a shirt, so they apparently had to rip that sucker open. Interesting.
0: Yep. Was 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 he considered good looking? Oh yeah. Yes. I don't see it, but all right, let's carry on.
1: He was very definitely considered a ladies' man.
0: Oh no, I get that. That doesn't that doesn't mean he's good looking.
1: <laughs> okay. Yes, he had the sex appeal. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, alright.
1: So yeah, they're in prison. They meet the the shapeshifter lady who's Iman.
0: Yes. Then there was the random Christian Slater. Yes. And then... Oh, I remember when they were doing all the searching around in the ship, I was shocked that they didn't have security cameras.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you'd think...
0: Uh, Though I guess
1: right. internally on a ship, well, like for when, for figuring out who actually beamed over there. hmm See, I guess internally they usually use your COM badge signal, or at least they do in later Star Trek incarnations. And would right. only turn on like security sensors if they knew there was a problem. If that makes sense, because they're on a they're on a closed ship,
0: with no I yeah, but I don't know. There'd be there'd be something. Yeah, maybe I, I, I feel. I also think that like if two people beamed out and beamed back, unless they were literally the people running the beamy thing transporter. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the sweet At the transport. time, <laughs> transporter. Anyways, um, then there would have been somebody there. Like, I don't think they just leave their transporter unsupervised.
1: Okay. However, Anyways, I holes. will counter with the fact that there are multiple people who, like, are convinced that this is not the right thing to do. Like, they, they are don't want the peace talks to go ahead.
0: Okay, so you think maybe more people were in cahoots, more people were in cahoots, or just sort of let it happen, or at
1: least you know it was easy for them to talk someone into taking a walk around the halls when he would should have been on his shift,
0: right? So okay. like that's fair. We're not going to
1: actively involve you, buddy, but um, I'm you know gonna suggest you take a walk at this time, and
0: yeah, not know what happens. All right, I can see that. Yeah, Kirk and McCoy escape. With the lady mm-hmm. who then betrays them, mm-hmm. and we have a Kirk on Kirk fight. Mm-hmm. One gets vaporized. Yep. The wrong one. Yep. Obviously. Kirk and the doctor get beamed out just before the Klingon was gonna tell Kirk who, who the problem was. That was hilarious. Mm-hmm. That was well done, actually. Mm-hmm. Especially since they like transport bleeped him out saying bitch. That was good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was that was well timed.
0: And what happens after that? Then they figure they got to get to the rendezvous. They figure out who does it. Kirk has a very intense mind meld scene. Spock. Yep, Spock. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yep. And you really get a hint of like the the potential darkness at, of the Vulcans
0: the sorry what
1: well like spock's mind melt, like he forceful, forcibly violates valeris's mind yeah for the information and yeah. made me a little uncomfortable not gonna lie yeah yeah um you get a sense of how dark how potentially dark the vulcans could be mhm and why
0: it was a really well done scene though i liked how they mm we like spinning the camera around them, and they had both their voices going. I thought it was it was really well done. I liked it.
1: Hmm. Um, I was gonna say too. One thing that just jumped out of me when you were talking about them getting rescued. This comes mm-hmm. up, like, Kirk and Spock seem to have this like code between them. Like they know each other so well that they're constantly mm-hmm. like talking in code and know what the other person's saying without saying it. Because Kirk knows that Spock put a tracker on him and things like that. Yeah. And it happens again, or it happened first in Star Trek 2, where they sort of have a code. And yeah, it just makes it more funny this time when he beams Kirk back up. Because in Star Trek 2, he's like, took you long enough. Or like, it's about the right time. And in this one, it's like, no, you came too soon. (laughs) <laughs> you
0: couldn't have waited another uh, minute i actually yeah i actually liked most especially with kirk and spock but well I'll, most especially with them because at the beginning with um the the talks of making peace with the Klingon, how they were very much disagreeing and arguing with each other but then They just got on the ship and everything was good. And it very much felt like a very long relationship that they'd had together where they could have arguments and disagree, but then still, you know, have their still be on good terms with each other.
1: Yeah, um, that's one of the things I like about the original series movies is you get that Mm -hmm. feeling coming up several times between Kirk and Spock. Most it's most noticeable but, also,
0: but you did get it with the whole crew, like it everybody felt like they'd been working together for a very long time
1: and and disagreements come up, and you know he can yell at Scotty and tell him, "You've only got this much time, and you've got to get it done, and you know Scotty th- is not taking it personally, they still joke and and have a good time, and- yeah,
0: even like I even felt like he saw Chekhov be kind of sarcastic and sassy to his captain a couple of times, you mm-hmm. know
1: mm-hmm. Although I think Chekhov was always kind of sarcastic and sassy. Okay. Um, like, we don't get enough of him in the Kelvin timelines, sadly. Mm-hmm. But even in the TV show, he was maybe not sassy to Kirk. But he was that junior officer who was going to, you know, push push the envelope a little bit. Right. And... uh When he gets to the movies, he's, of course, promoted up in ranks and Kirk can't really get him in trouble. So now he's finally more on even footing and he can have more of that banter, which is fun.
0: (laughs) I did think the scene, um, I don't know why I thought this, but the scene where Uraha has to speak Klingon Mm. and was incompetent at it. I don't know. I felt like that, that just felt like, isn't... I felt like she knows Klingon, maybe because she does in the Kelvin timeline, but I don't know. That just felt like it was stupid and just played for laughs.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely was not there for laughs. And I didn't, I don't read her as incompetent at it because they get away with it.
0: Right. She's good at speaking it, but like they had to on the spot translate everything. Mm -hmm.
1: Because they would know what the translator sounds like.
0: Yeah, I guess I just assumed she would know Klingon. Mm,
1: Yeah. I definitely do think that the Kelvin movies do a better job of giving giving Uhura more, um, more knowledge. Right. She's not just sitting there basically, you know, being the operator, plugging the lines in and out, which she kind of was relegated to in the 60s. I think even when they did Enterprise, they had a female uh, comms officer and she mm-hmm. was portrayed as being incredibly good at, like, uh, figuring out languages and, like, working them out and um, in- incredibly gifted that way. And you got to see.
0: Yeah, I guess that's how I was picturing her. Yeah, life. yeah.
1: Uh, but that was not quite what they did for her in the 60s because it was the 60s. So yeah. uh, thinking about it, I didn't get a chance to to watch with this in mind yet. But I don't even think Star Trek 6 passes the Bechdel test.
0: No, definitely not. Yeah, because
1: no. like, it's only got, like, two women in it.
0: Three speaking oh, three women speaking roles. women.
1: Three named female characters.
0: Yeah. And they... The shapeshifter on, on, in the prison, Uraha, and...
1: Okay, no, I guess then there's four, because uh, there's Azat-Burr, the... Uh, oh, you oh, remember, right, right, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the they never lady. talk to each other.
0: Yeah, no, they don't.
1: And I mean, it's never in the plot for them to talk to each other. But. Well, um,
0: I don't know what Kim Cattrall's character name was, but she could have very easily spoken to Uraha. Valeris. They, they're, yeah. Valeris? Okay. Yeah. Um, they were sitting right next to each other. Most of the movie, basically.
1: Yeah. But Uhura doesn't get much to do at all in this movie. And that was one of her main complaints about her role in the TV show as well. Yeah. Um, thankfully she was convinced to stay on and and do the part
0: so then they solve the mystery and they save the day yep.
1: oh and then there's another cameo um, well a couple of the admirals actually I can't remember their names um, but the the guys involved in the conspiracy uh, one is played by Rene Abergenois who goes on to play Odo mm-hmm. And also does voices in the Little Mermaid movie, and the other one, I forgot. Do you,
0: do you want me to tell you that I have no idea who Odo is?
1: Odo is the shapeshifter security chief in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine.
0: Okay, I don't even know what you're talking about, so carry on. Okay, and then the other one um, is
1: there. You go. It's Fleet Admiral Cartwright. And he's played by Brock Peters, who eventually plays Captain Sisko's father. And he's done a lot of other movies as well, actually. So, other little Star Trek Easter eggs.
0: Okay, cool, cool. And then at the end, um, Kirk said the worst thing ever to Spock, which was something along the lines of, we're all just human.
1: Yeah, and Spock responds back that he takes offense to that.
0: Well, if you put this in, like, the allegory situation here and think of, like, a white person talking to a black person and saying, we're all white, I'm pretty sure that black person would have punched him in the face. So, like, this is the worst thing ever. Yep. And I wish they hadn't had that in the movie.
1: Well, the article I was reading this morning about it to sort of give me a bit of an overview Mm -hmm. was... Brought up the thing that you know at the dinner scene at the beginning, as it bore points out that like the Federation is like a Homo Sapiens only club, and you know it's that idea that the Federation is really um, erases other cultures and is very colonial. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, has like all these colonial yeah. things, and then the movie kind of drops it in favor of like the action and letting our heroes be heroes. Mm-hmm. And so that is a bit of a weakness on part the part of the movie that it's it's sort of takes this teeny tiniest little critical glance at Starfleet, and then rather than explore mm. that or even, well, they don't have the space to resolve it in a movie, but they can't leave you with a bad yeah. taste for Starfleet. So then it's
0: just kind of dropped. Yeah. I mean, I got what he was saying. I, I think that he should have said we're all just people. And I would have I would yeah, have liked that Kirk a lot Spock is better. actually
1: a huge jerk. I like he's one of those people where like I sometimes really don't understand why he still has friends. Uh because this is not the first yeah. time he's had said something like this to Spock about him being human. And Spock is half human. But still, it's just like so, you know, like he's acting like a privileged asshole. Like, yeah. And yeah, he does it multiple times in the series. And I'm just like, why does Spock still hang out with you? Yeah.
0: Um, Just to go back to what we were saying mm-hmm. before about the timeline, um, it looks like this movie took place in 2293, and the first season of Next Gen started in 2364, so it's about oh, okay. 70 years that after. That
1: makes more sense. I don't know where I got the 200 years from, but that at least does make more sense, because then when we do see the overlaps, it's a little more yeah. feasible.
0: So yeah, that bit really pissed me off, but whatever. Mm-hmm. That's all that I wrote down about the yeah, movie. Yeah, the
1: only other thing I was going to bring up was more on to, like, the... Well, I wanted to talk about the fact that there are, like, very few women in, in the movie. And, <clears throat> like, Uhura doesn't do much. Um, then you have two uh, villains. And then, well, two villains? Three villains? Yeah, so I don't know if we consider azat
0: a villain, Or... I don't. No? No, she wasn't really in... She... Words. Sorry. That's okay. Like, she just seemed to want to do the peace talks and not have her father be killed.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. She... I wish we had gotten more character from her. Like, she she seems interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. But we never really get more than those little bits. I think the actress did a really good job with the limited lines and scenes that she had to sort of portray yeah. it with depth. Um, I thought that all of the actors, uh, Uhura, Vervaleris, and Iman, I think they all did a superb job. It just would have been nice yeah. if there was more,
0: even more representation. Yeah, if they were given more to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I would have been more invested in the outcome of the mystery, if, like, let's say Valaris and, uh, uh I'm saying her name wrong every time, aren't I? Uh, uh huh. Uh, uh, uh-huh. uh Blah blah. There we go. I don't think I can just make that sound. Uh uh-huh. Nope. I I can't do it. Anyways, um, if they'd been friends, like, and it wouldn't have been that hard because oh look at all these men. Oh thank God a woman. Let's be friends. You know. Right. And then it turns out that she's evil. Like, that would have been... That just would have been higher stakes for me, other than, look, she visited the men's boy- bedrooms. So obviously, we care about her.
1: Mm. Yeah, and, like, Valeris is brought in as Spock's protege. Mm-hmm. And I get that they haven't been... Like, the other thing that's kind of confusing is that they establish that all these people are doing other things, and then they reunite the crew for this one, like gesture, which pisses Kirk Kirk off, because this kind of wasn't what he would have chosen as his final voyage. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it does kind of make it so that Valeris isn't very well integrated and kind of obvious as the... Not only,
0: like, whether or not she's obvious, like, whatever, but I I still didn't even care, like, about her point of view or anything, Hmm. where I think with minimal effort, you could have cared about her point of view. Okay. But yeah, they didn't really give us any reason to like her, so, or any reason to care about her at all. The connection with Spock wasn't enough for you? Well, it was just kind of a throw-off. Like, here's this super smart I just went through a whole bunch of alien words and did not come to the right one. Vulcan? There we go. Um, Here's the super smart Vulcan. Oh, Spock, you must be so proud. Even though I'm sure he had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Done and done. Well, she's supposed to be his, like, protege. Yeah, but what does that even mean?
1: Well, like a junior officer that he is mentoring.
0: But has he been mentoring her? Or we're is supposed she, to think that. He's just like, this is my new pupil. No, I
1: think we're supposed to think that. I, I mean, from what we know from the other movies, in Star Trek Two, Spock is training new officers. That's part of what he does, is he's a captain, but he is running simulations with cadets. So I assume that he either works with, you know, Starfleet Academy or is like a somebody whose job it is to train officers up kind of idea. That's my sense of it anyways, from the bits we see in the movies. All right. And in one of the other movies, we do see that he sort of has another protege officer that he is directly are trying to mentor. Hmm?
0: Are they also evil? No.
1: They are not evil. Alright, just yep. checking.
0: It's a good thing to, to check in on. Because that would give me a complex. I don't know if it would give <laughs> Spock a complex.
1: And then, <clears throat> how did you like the Klingon design?
0: Not at all. This made me like the one in Discovery even more. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. This is... This was literally like, here are some people, let's glue this prosthetic into the middle of their forehead and move on.
1: Now, you know that in the original series TV show, Mm -hmm. the Klingons did not have any prosthetic face parts.
0: They just looked like people? Um like human. They had bushier
1: hair, I believe. And like um bushier eyebrows and were dark-skinned. Whether that was always by choosing dark-skinned actors or whether that was by employing makeup. Um I can't say definitively, but that was it.
0: Either yep. way, kind of problematic.
1: Yep. So, but then in The Next Generation, they came out with a redesigned Klingon with the forehead ridges that we know and love in Worf, and longer mm-hmm. hair. And so then this was seen as like a... Actually, I think they first redesigned the Klingons earlier as well, because I think there's Klingons in the motion picture, and they have similar aesthetics and as as these Klingons. And then they just upped the ante for Klingons in the next generation.
0: Mm. So. Well, I like in Discovery how they look like aliens. Well, more so.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm not... See... Mm. I don't mind them looking alien. I just find that they're well, now it's going to sound bad but i find they're almost too alien for me in discovery they mm-hmm. I don't know anyway it's probably just me being nostalgic and being all oh these aren't the klingons i know and love
0: yeah maybe i don't i don't have that problem i obviously mm-hmm. i like it
1: did you like the design of azat boer her costume design and everything
0: you know, I don't remember it that okay. way. Like, I don't remember her costume at all, really.
1: She had, so, like, a headpiece. And I know that some people, when they saw Discovery in the, the first, first or second episode, where they have the hollow communication, and there is a woman there, and she's got all the elaborate jewelry across her face and head. A lot of Mm -hmm. people were, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking back to Azat-Boer and and seeing some similarities. But at least her... Okay, I'm trying to find a picture,
0: but it doesn't seem to be... At least
1: her generic costume design is, like, very similar to what her father's wearing. And there aren't any, like, huge boob windows or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do Mm -hmm. remember noticing that. That it wasn't... That she... Um, wasn't
1: over-sexualized for the purposes of male gaze?
0: Yeah. Yeah, nobody was really over-sexualized in this. No, it was I, nice. I there think. was no...
1: Um, you know, they didn't have Valeris change into, like, off-duty clothing and be walking around or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There was no overt sort of...
0: I mean... They did have the shapeshifter that Kirk kisses change into a little girl <laughs> and wink at him, which made me a little uncomfortable, but they didn't keep her in that form for long, so that's right. And you do bring up there was, I guess that was okay.
1: you know some some make out scenes between Kirk and the shapeshifter.
0: They weren't they weren't that interesting of a make out scene.
1: I suppose they were at the time. Other
0: than McCoy being the- like why does this always happen?
1: At the time, I think Iman was a bigger deal. Really? Because she was now a model turned actress.
0: I don't know. It was 1991. It wasn't like the 60s still. Well, eh, I don't know. Um, I'd definitely seen worse in movies. Or not worse, but like more sexualized in movies in 1991.
1: Oh, that's true. I just meant it was like a bigger deal because Shatner got to make out with I'm on
0: oh, okay. and she was
1: like considered very like hot and sexy herself. I don't think her costume okay, design gotcha. was, you know, they didn't make her scantily clad in Siberia, which I'm glad about. No.
0: Yes. That was nice of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they just make her like just dress skimpily and have some like lame excuse as to like her metabolism works differently. And so she the be uncovered or they, you know, they didn't do that, which they could have. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like I want to show you some of like the other shows where they have both like some really bad examples of stuff like that.
0: I mean, you don't have to.
1: Well, we're going to have a hiatus again.
0: That's true. We're going to have a long time until season two. Yep. Discovery. Mm-hmm. Sadness. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Mm-hmm. I think that was all we had on our notes.
0: Yeah. Overall impression? Yeah. You said you... Um, it was a good movie. I don't think I'd ever watch it again, but I liked it. Okay. Okay, that's fair.
1: I know I will watch it again and again and again and again and again, and I will look forward to when my kids get old enough to watching it. And actually, Mm -hmm. you know, relatively speaking, there's way tamer stuff in this than there is in Discovery, so.
0: That's very true, yes. They may
1: watch this before they watch Star Trek Discovery, which is fine. And yeah.
0: Uh, Did
1: we have any comments, emails or anything? I don't think we have any current comments except for people who were excited to know that we were still going to be talking about Star Trek and Star Trek 6 in particular. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, it is like widely thought of as one of the best Star Trek movies, if not the best Star Trek movie.
0: Oh, I did. I I just didn't know that. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, although there is a part of me that's like so it's only downhill from here. I know, huh? I was realizing that today. I was Maybe like, we oh, could have
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, you've seen the Kelvin movies.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: As for other movies that I might make you watch, First Contact is probably the best next generation movie. Okay. Might make you watch Star Trek 4 just because I love it
0: so much. Is that the one with the whales? Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. See, I just know that because of general pop culture knowledge, not anything to do with Star Trek.
1: Yeah, and Star Trek 4 has a lot of funny lines in it. Okay. So there's there's a lot of humor in it. It's a much more lighthearted uh film, even though the stakes are kind of dire.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, I could get behind watching that. I'd, yeah.
1: And I've, it's got I've more I've heard so
0: much about it, you know.
1: Yeah, it's got more moments for the the other bridge crew, like it's not so much of like Kirk must save the day. They they all get little things to do, and oh, that's there's good. there's humor. So, but yeah, like I've I've been giving this some thought since uh, pop culturally deprived decided to make Matthew watch Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and not being a Doctor Who fan myself, I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch. Doctor Who to listen along with the podcast because they were only doing a selection of Doctor Who episodes Mm -hmm. but it became very apparent how hard it is to pick a selection of something for someone else to watch right especially and I was trying to then apply that mentally to Star Trek because I was like well I would recommend somebody watch different episodes of things for different reasons So it depends what that person was interested in seeing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So for, like, thinking ahead to the hiatus between season one and two, like, we could do a selection of episodes just on, like, Klingon politics and Klingon design Mm -hmm. to link it to Discovery. There would be a wholly different selection of episodes if we wanted to look at, you know, Vulcan culture and Spock, Right, yeah. You know, like, or if we wanted to look at things that focus more on war and Starfleet, completely different episode selection, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: So it will, like, what you want to focus on is going to really shift it around.
0: I like how you started this conversation with, what should I make you watch? And then what do you want to focus on?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm really tempted to make you watch a selection of episodes that focus on the Klingon character design, just so you Mm -hmm. can see how bad it was in the original series.
0: Well, that'll be fun for me. (laughs) And, well, so
1: I'm thinking in particular there's like, there's a few original series episodes that have Klingons, and just picking Mm -hmm. one of those... And then, I don't even know, like, because you're more or less familiar with what Worf looks like. Mm-hmm. But then, there are there's an episode of Deep Space Nine, where the subject of what the Klingons looked like cam- comes up. And then I think there's a two-parter in Star Trek Enterprise that deals directly with why the Klingons changed.
0: See, I don't like that. Like, just, we get it. Better prosthetics, money, etc don't uh, I don't like when they try to explain that type of thing in world. It never works.
1: It's funny, though, and I think it, they did it rather well. Right, so well. It's tempting. I don't know. I'm putting it out there. If any of our listeners have any ideas um, on whether that's a good or bad idea or other things that Kate should have to watch, then send us your feedback on Twitter or on email our twitter
0: is Please tell us how jen should torture
1: (laughs) yeah torture that's what she's saying Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh you can send us an email at a command of her own at gmail.com or you can send us a twitter message we are at command of her own on twitter
0: all right um, so yes, let us know what Caitlin should watch. I'd be interested in giving Deep Space Nine a try, actually, Um, just because I never really gave it a try as a kid when it was on. Okay. See if I like it as an adult.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's my favorite, so it's the hardest one for me to, I think, approach and figure out the essential episodes for. The other thought I had for next hiatus between season one and season two was somebody on Mm -hmm. Twitter had suggested that we look at the pilot episodes for each of the franchises. Okay. That'd be fun. Yeah. So I thought we could do that. um, Take a look at each of the pilots and then we could like vote on which next episode to do and go through them sequentially. Wait, what? So we'll have watched the pilot of all of them. And then we can decide. Oh, okay, okay which
0: afterwards. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were saying vote on which episode, but go through them sequentially. And I was like, that's two separate things. I'm confused. Yeah, so, so like would we like, go
1: back period. to do like the second episode of the original series or next generation or Voyager or Deep Space Nine or Enterprise, like and see Oh,
0: one thing I was gonna say about this movie, and you can tell me if maybe this is just a TV show thing. Mm-hmm is that there wasn't too much of that stereotypical Kirk acting. Like, near the end, I thought he had a rather dramatic pause that didn't really need to be there. But other than that, he was fine.
1: I think you see it way more in the TV TV show.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to guess. Like,
1: TV show Kirk, I don't know if he's Mm -hmm. trying to have the same sort of self-referential wink going on, but it doesn't come across that way he comes across as, like, very dramatic.
0: Yeah, okay. Because I remember I didn't even notice it at all. I'd forgotten about it until the end, and I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't notice anything yeah. bad or, like, laughable, I suppose, about his acting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, his sort of characteristic, like, speeches where he leads up to things with big pauses I think definitely happens much more when he's on the TV show, being the captain, and explaining things. All right.
0: I just wanted to mention that. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, too, if any of our listeners think that Kate should make Jen watch something in the hiatus, you can send your ideas in for that, too.
0: It wouldn't be Star Trek, though. True. Like, because, I mean, I'm okay with that. I don't know if you are, or if our listeners are. Also, what would I make you watch? (laughs) Ooh. oh god <laughs> I
1: don't <laughs> <laughs> you've made me read things before and it didn't turn out too badly
0: I I tailor my book recommendations though You'd, like I think you will like this you did though I
1: still haven't finished some of the series you made me start
0: you're welcome but, to be fair neither have I I have a bunch of series on the go <laughs> Like, the best ten years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have any recommendations this week? You know what? I think I was going to recommend everybody if you watch the Lord of the Rings movies, <laughs> which I already mentioned, but I'm quite enjoying it. It was very difficult for me last night to not put on Return of the King and to watch Star Trek instead. Okay.
1: The, those are Christmas movies. They do feel Christmassy. Yeah,
0: that's... They do. I guess because they came out in December
1: yeah it's like my husband always equates galaxy quest with christmas because we've been talking about christmas movies and i never saw it right. when it came out but apparently it also came out in december mm-hmm. and i was
0: like we should watch that i've never seen it we could do that you've for never an seen epi- galaxy quest i've never seen not like on purpose or anything it's just never i've just it's just never happened so we should do oh that for God. an episode oh we totally have to do that yeah. for an episode
1: yeah Oh, I just don't know if we're going to fit it in on this hiatus. Oh, no, no. (laughs) We can do
0: it. We can do it on the next. We have so much time in between season one. We we do. We
1: will have lots of time on the next one. So we got to save some stuff. I was also thinking it might be interesting to track down some of the Orville for our next hiatus as well.
0: I don't want to watch the Orville and then like accidentally like it better than Discovery. (laughs) 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 Like this is a worry that I have.
1: I, I am pretty sure that I personally will not like it better than Discovery, but I could see that being a, a valid concern.
0: Yeah, I haven't I haven't looked into it at all. I've just heard a lot of people saying this one's better. We don't need to watch Discovery, and I've been like, well, maybe I just won't. I feel, then
1: I feel like they're to- well. Anyways, I haven't actually watched any of the Orville, so I shouldn't. Yeah, talk more about what I don't know.
0: Do you have a recommendation? Oh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I
1: do have a recommendation I mean you kinda recommended
0: Galaxy Quest.
1: Well, yeah. Okay. There we go. I recommend Galaxy Quest. And um, I did not know you hadn't seen it.
0: Yeah, so. Again, I always meant to, it just it just never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh I was gonna say, did you you didn't put it in the notes here, but did you want to do a fortune? I
1: didn't do a fortune cookie last night.
0: Oh. I
1: apologize. I was actually thinking, too, of changing up the way we do the fortune cookies. Okay. Um, Because right now we read the fortune Mm -hmm. and then we decide who it fits best. Mm -hmm. And I thought it might be more funny if we pick whose fortune cookie it is beforehand
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then try and make the fortune cookie fit. Okay. Or just laugh at how hilariously inappropriate it is. Okay. I don't know. Can I think just, about it.
0: I just googled a fortune. Pick a character.
1: Oh. Okay. Oh, pick a character. Hmm. Yeah, you. Mm-hmm. Let's do this fortune for Dr. Culber cuz I want to see more of him. Or okay, I guess. <laughs> I guess I should pick a character
0: in Star Trek 6. Uh Okay, well, actually it's actually it's actually kind of perfect cuz the first one on this list here is love is for the lucky and the brave. <laughs> the fortune is awesome.
1: Yeah. I'm laughing at myself for, for being so so clueless and dense.
0: <laughs> I will say I w- I was thinking that you'd pick somebody from Star Trek 6 and when you said Dr. Culver I was like Wait, who was that? Oh. Do you want me to get another fortune? <laughs> okay. Mm.
1: Yes, get another fortune. Okay. And this one can be for um Boor, my, my Klingon lady. Your Klingon
0: lady. <laughs> Today is the day to show someone you care. I shouldn't have taken a big drink of water you. <laughs> Oh. (laughs) Oh. That was good. (sighs) All right.
1: Okay, so there you go. As it were today is the day to show someone you care. Maybe give Kirk a little (laughs) punch on the arm or. Yeah, as a thanks for
0: not um, killing
1: her dad? (laughs) I guess. (laughs) For saving the peace talks?
0: I guess. I
1: don't know. I don't know who else she'd really show she cares. She's kind of leading an empire. It's kind of a lonely position.
0: Oh, sure she should she pick has a nice friends. little
1: Klingon general to have on the side. Yeah. There you go. Maybe she has like a harem. Yeah. There we go. I'm feeling a little bit better about her now.
0: Okay, good. A, ha- a harem of generals. I like
1: it. Yes. Of Klingon generals. Yes. That she can smack around.
0: Among other things. Yes. Anyways, let's finish the episode there.
1: Okay. That's a good part to stop at. Yep. I am sorry and not sorry about all the editing you'll have to do, Kate.
0: This is not the worst one, so it's fine. Okay. Oh, and I'm leaving in. Both. Fortune cookies. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, good. I was worried there for a
1: moment.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you might take out an opportunity to make Jen look like an idiot. <laughs> but So, thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at a own at gmail.com or at commandofherown on Twitter. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. So other people can find and listen. And I've been Jen.
0: Uh, I've been Caitlin. We're signing off at the end now. That's new. Yeah, I just spontaneously threw it in there. Gotcha. Uh, And this has been Star... Nope. (laughs) See you all next week. (laughs) Bye. 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 (laughs) Bye.
1: I guess it just it because I felt mm.